As Taiwan gears up for the 9-1 November municipal elections, ICRT is bringing you coverage and analysis of all the local races. And tonight, we're going to take you to a special election roundtable that we recently co-organized with the European Chamber of Commerce, Taiwan. In the next hour, you're going to be hearing from a live event in which our star panel of commentators gave their thoughts and insights into what we can expect as the elections heat up. Making up the panel, we had former DPP lawmaker and TV political commentator Shen Fu Xiong, as well as former KMT lawmaker and businesswoman Joanna Lei, and DPP Secretary General Joseph Wu, who also served as Taiwan's representative to the United States during the Chun administration. All right, now we're going to turn things over to the panel's moderator, ICRT Morning News anchor Gavin Phipps. We shall begin. We shall begin with Taipei. Why not? There we go. And the Taipei mayoral race and the issue of neither of the two main candidates being tried and tested politicians. So I was going to ask the panel, what direction do you see the administration of the winning candidate taking? And how could it differ from traditional Taipei mayors who have all been politicians? And, of course, whoever wins will not be a politician. And could the election of a non-politician catch on in other cities around the island in the future? Would you like to begin down at the end, Joanna? Well, those are tough questions, but it is important for us to recognize that this time we have two non-tried-and-true politicians, but they also are running on very traditional platforms. For example, Mr. Ko, he's running on a change platform. And worldwide, we know that 75% of the people, challengers, running on a change platform typically win. On the other hand, um, Mr. Lian, Shang Lian, is supposed to be running on a quote-unquote future platform. He's supposed to take Taipei as a leading city of the world, at least leading city in Asia, to the next millennium, to the next stage. So the short answer to your first question, um, if Mr. Lian wins, certainly we expected him to continue 16 years of KMT rule in Taipei and continue to execute those important internationally um, recognized plans. So Xiang Lian's winning would be a very decidedly clear, clear path, in my view. If Mr. Ko wins, certainly he's run on a very strong change platform, but to what extent the change are called for, endorsed, and supported by Taipei citizens are still untried. So during campaign, he may be able to win support using campaign slogans only, but after a win, he will have to work with the city council, he will have to respect the local opinions and grassroots participation of the Taipei communities. So a lot of the ideas today may sound very beautiful as campaign slogans will have to be tried and true, again, quote unquote, using Gavin's word, in a city council and then decide whether he can indeed bring the supposedly change atmosphere to Taipei. So once again, a future candidate and a change candidate, and we shall know the result in a very short while. Thank you. All right, now let's turn things over to Joseph Wu. Joseph. Right, thank you very much. Uh, I like uh, Joanna's uh, analysis, but I think the analysis on the Shanglian is probably not going to uh, take place. Uh, in the That's you know, last what you have to say first. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the, in the last few months, uh, there's plenty of uh, public opinion surveys uh, surface up in uh, Taiwan's public media. And all these uh, public opinion surveys uh, showed one direction, that uh, uh, Dr. Ke 
is a hit of uh, Shanglian uh, by a wide margin. Uh, and we do our public opinion survey as well, and we don't usually release our public opinion survey. But the results of a public survey is that uh, we are ahead, or Dr. Kerr is ahead for about 12 to 13 percentage point. And it's very consistent. And the way I see it is that uh, you know, if there's no surprises, if there's no sudden factor, uncontrolled factor, that affect the uh, result of the election. I think Dr. Kerr is going to be elected. And if he's elected, uh, of course, you know, for politicians running for election, we think about how to uh, get people to be elected first. Uh, and then we will think about how uh, he should run the government later. But looking at the experiences or the comparison between the KMT governments in the last 16 years and the DPP administration uh, in between 1994 and 1998, uh, I think there's some uh, differences between uh, the two administrations. And I think the DPP administration is probably more people-friendly, and I would say that uh, in a very frank way. Uh, even though Dr. Ke is not a DPP, uh, but he seemed to be agreeing in nature, and he's a friend of ours, and he's an ally of the <laughs> DPP, and we try to uh, you know, support him. So uh, some of the administrators in the future Ke administration uh, in Taipei City uh, will have uh, – quite a few uh, DPP supporters or DPP people working for him. And I think it will uh, carry some uh, DPP or green characteristics in his administration. And in the last few years, last 16 years also, uh, one of the key uh, features uh, in Taipei City that many people talked about is that uh, a lot of money are being spent on some big uh, showtime project. You know, for example, the Taipei Flora uh, Expo, uh, it costs a lot of money. But if you look at the net result, it doesn't seem to be uh, that good for Taiwan. So in the future, uh, I would say that uh, Dr. Ke is probably going to stay away from those, but uh, going on for some minor issues or going for some uh, public issues that people care more about and try to uh, take care of those. Uh, and I think uh, the style is going to be uh, very different from uh, the current administration as well. Uh, Dr. Ke is, is somebody we call that uh, newcomer or people who have no experience in politics at all. So he's going to be very personable. He's going to be uh, very um, close to uh, – his style is going to be very close to people, r regular people. So we will see a very different uh, future Taipei city government but I'm not sure about the relations between the city government and the council. That's going to be a factor uh, that is going to contaminate, contaminate Taipei politics uh, as it was in uh, 1994 to 1998. Uh, Taipei City at the time faced a minority situation in Taipei Council, and the politics at the time was pretty rough. So I'll end this point. And last up, Shen Fu Shong. Well, I first, I really didn't understand your question. Okay, not, not because my English is poor. Because, because the content of your question is really catch my surprise. And uh, I have to agree with Joseph that the game is over before the game is really over. And, but both Joanna and uh, Joseph, their comment are very much partisan in nature. You know, <laughs> you know, because if you don't look at him, you know, this guy looks like coming from Dr. Coase camp. You know, and uh, I remember this is my first time coming to this occasion. But this time I was a little bit reluctant to accept the invitation 
because as you know, I declared my candidacy in June to August before I withdrew. So I don't want you guys to think my comment today is too harsh <laughs> or lack of objectivity or even a touch of sour grape. But to tell you the truth, since the citizens of Taipei choose their own mayor, this is really the first time the two candidates that people have to choose is probably that has the lowest quality. And uh, your question is, if this non-politician get elected, will become a catch fire through the island? The answer is no. I can get guarantee you now, this is not a outcome by design. This is really a karma of citizen of Taipei. And because most Mr. Lian and Mr. Dr. Ko, they come to the final stage, it's really a lot of combination of different factors. I think Lian will never become a candidate if his surname is not Lian, and if his father is not Lian Zhan. You know, because <laughs> even the son of Wu Boxiong, you know, the honorary chairman of KMT, he has to do it, you know, going to the office of city councilman first, step by step. Councilman first, legislator second, and eventually the mayor of Taipei, Mr. Lian Shengwen, you know, choose to run for the mayor. It's simple because his father. And that's the reason why people refuse to vote for him, even from his own camp. I can tell you right now, there are at least 25% of the voters coming from blue camp refuse to vote for him. 25%. That's very high. And 10% uh, of people will cast their vote as an invalid vote. Those 10% vote are actually my vote. <laughs> and, and the people, you know, the question lingering in the blue camp is, why you? You know, are you able to be our mayor? And are you qualified or not? And those are the questions that for the last several months, the Mr. Lian is unable to convince his own people. But Dr. Ko is a different story. You know, those two are, you know, to a certain degree, it's very ridiculous, but they come from different, that's like, a, you know, from North Pole and from South Pole. But Dr. Ko is equally inexperienced outside his surgical intensive care unit. And uh, why he ran into politics? Because he was uh, unhappy with his two scandal cases. One is AIDS, contaminated organ transplantation. The other one is his associate involvement in a accounting practice. And he's become so unhappy and he decide, well, the one way to, unvent, to, to vent my unhappiness is to run for politics. And uh, he catch fire. And the fire, the, you know, he catch the fire through the island. That DPP is forced not to nominate his own candidate. And there's no other choice but endorse him. So even Dr. Cole, is I think he will be elected, for sure. I can say that for sure right here. He's elected. He's going to be elected. And Mr. Lenin is going to be defeated. But from the way I see Joseph, you know, he looks so happy. <laughs> but, but I think the happiness, I, I, I think happiness should be limited. Do you know why? <laughs> because, because Dr. Cole is a very untraditional, unconventional, unpredictable person. And once he becomes the mayor, the way he behaves, the way he ran the business in the municipal city, I think is totally unpredictable. <laughs> and, uh, and for the DPP to try to gain some advantage from him, 
I have my doubt in my mind. And people think about if KMT lost the mayor race in Taichung as well as in Taipei, then they will run into the trouble in 2016. No, that is not the case. You know, once the city uh, mayor race is over, I think those people who stay away, particularly the blue camp, stay away from Mr. Lian, will quickly regroup. And in 2016, they will vote for the KMT candidate as the next president. So don't be so excited about it. <laughs> okay, so do we have any questions from the floor to our panelists after the Taipei debate there? Peter Sutton. So my question is, um, you know, if you look a year ago, the, the KMT was way ahead in the polls, Sean Lee and way ahead. And now they're behind a long way. And a lot of people think, well, this is because Sean Lian represents the rich people and he represents status quo and people want to vote against that, right? So many things go wrong for the government, he takes the blame. But you say, no, it's actually more him as a candidate. What, what, what do you think about, you know, why the big decline in his opinion poll rating over a year? Decline? That's a good question. You know, Mr. Lian was so popular prior to or during the primary and his uh, public opinion poll was high, but was not that particularly high. But he gained most of the vote from the members voting. And that is engineered by his father. You know? And now people realize that that should not be the case. And he's not qualified. And uh, he said, well, you know, you, has, there's someone has to come out and serve the people. But that comment is totally ridiculous. You know, because I have a personal conversation with him for two hours. And he's so always proud of his experience in the financial sector. But I think his experience in the financial sector is less than one-tenth of Joanna, to tell you the truth. Very, very limited. You know, I think that he's an he's a executive CEO for the, uh, for the Morgan Stanley or you know, something like that. But when I talk in depth with him about the real financial issue, his knowledge is very limited. And his idea is to see the city as a big, big financial asset. The things he likes to say is like sitting in the golden or silver mountain and behave like a beggar, you know? You know behave poor while you are sitting in the big asset. And his idea is to really commercialize or to put the asset of the city into a, like, uh, you know, trading, trading uh, stocks or banks and, uh, you know, to put the asset into a, a fluid or viable currency. And, and I think that is not the really very important issue facing, facing the people of Taipei. And I think he's wrong. Joanna, would you like to come back on that one? Well, I'd like to just come back on two points. One is I, too, agree with Dr. Shen that Joseph is happy a bit too early. Um, usually you have to wait until the fat lady sings. And that is true in every campaign in Taipei. Remember the Kaohsiung mayoral campaign that was decided on the last night after the campaign? There were a lot of things that happened really last minute. The reason I said that <clears throat> is Dr. Shen cited you 25% and 10% non-voters. But if you look at the voting history in Taipei, Taipei is highly partisan. You have a lot of people who are undeclared but maybe not necessarily undecided voters. 
In that sense, when you interpret the vote and the poll numbers, we needed to be reminded of the fact, and I just pulled the number out. In 2006, there were six mayoral candidates, six candidates, not just two. But the two parties got a total of 95% of the vote. 5% and some change went to very credible people such as James and other things, other people, James Song. In 2010, the two parties, again, there are six candidates, and the two parties gained 99.46% of the vote. All the minor or independent candidates garnered 5% or less of the total votes in the last two campaigns. So unfortunately, Dr. Shen, if you run, you probably still will be within the 5% and not 10%. Um, having said that, this is not just trying to appease yourself. Taipei has been a KMT city for a long, long time, and as such, you have a lot of uh, burdens from the past. But more importantly, after the primary, which I agree that Lian's father, Shang Lian's father, instituted and garnered a lot of support to move him through the primary process. But after the primary, there were a lot of issues with respect to the Ma administration. And there were a lot of people who are not willing to come out and declare their support for KMT, partly as a result or reaction to their non-support to the current central administration. So as a candidate, it is a very tough issue. You are, you are supported, nominated by your party, which is now the ruling party in the central government. And there were a lot of discontents with regard to your current administration and where would you run and how would you run certainly has hindered Shang's effective campaign to date. But come election day, there could be other motivations to these undeclared voters. For example, I again fully agree with Dr. Shen that Dr. Ko is a very unknown quantity. There were a lot of things. He was a loose cannon in many issues. So there could be, like we said, two major motivators are greed and fear. And there could be a fear factor working here. In other words, you are not voting for the people that you really love you are voting for the people you fear less. And that could be a very strong MO toward the end of this particular campaign. That's why I think we have to wait until the fat lady sings. Thank you. And it looks like Joseph wants to chime in also. Well, I you know, agree with some of the analysis, but uh, I have to uh, rebut a little bit uh, to both what uh, Dr. Sen and, and uh, Joanna said uh, a little bit earlier. Uh, to Dr. Sen, I think prediction can be uh, dangerous in a political game, and we all make predictions before, and you make predictions before, and uh, sometimes we felt miserably, uh, especially with regard to things uh, that are uh, not happening uh, at this moment, and things probably not going to happen uh, in the future. And I agree that, that there can be more factors uh, in the election, uh, but those factors have been, have been surfacing already, uh, and they don't seem to be affecting uh, the election or the uh, public opinion survey right now. And therefore, uh, my way of looking at the election in Taipei is that uh, it looks like it's already been set. Uh, the difference now is uh, how big the margin is. Uh, even though I don't want to uh, make a full prediction and look too happy at this moment, uh, but at least from uh, the public opinion survey, uh, the result seems to be decided just as uh, Dr. Sun said. Uh, there are quite a few factors working in the campaign other than the quality of the candidate himself. Uh, the general political environment in Taipei 
or in Taiwan in general, uh, seem to be working against Xianglian. Uh, just give you one precise example, the uh, internal power feud in, in the KMT. Uh, there's a rift in between uh, President Ma and Speaker Wang. And of course, that is uh, affecting some of the uh, uh, Penblu people in Taipei City. Uh, there was a rift in between President Ma and uh, uh, James Song. Uh, that got to uh, the Deputy Minister of uh, the Mainland Affairs Council, Zhang Xianyao, being accused of uh, spying for China. And that is a very serious internal power struggle uh, manner. And I think there are more to this. Uh, and there are also corruption scandals. And I would say the uh, voters in Taipei uh, hated uh, corruption scandals, um, especially because uh, you know, the voters in Taipei are mostly educated, uh, middle class, uh, more affluent than the rest of the population. So when they hear uh, corruption scandals like uh, Lai Suru or Lin Yisi, who are trusted by President Ma himself, I think this uh, is turning uh, some of the pen blue voters away. And if you look at the uh, general economic situation in, in Taiwan, uh, people seem to be quite upset at the perform performance of President Ma. And that kind of anger uh, seemed to lead to some of the Pan Blue supporters uh, to stay away from answering in a public opinion survey that they would, uh, uh, they would go out and vote for Shang Lian. Uh, Cross-rate relations, that is something that is very important in Taiwan. And I'm sure you all pay attention uh, to uh, the cross-rate policies uh, adopted by either the KMT or the DPP. And the cross-rate policies is something that uh, President Ma is uh, most proud of. But if you look at what happened in the last few months, uh, there was sunflower movement in Taipei that got lots of support. And the sunflower movement were against uh, too rapid uh, cross-rate uh, economic integration or political rapprochement. And there was also uh, demonstrations in Hong Kong that seemed to affect people's view of uh, one country, two system model. And very, recent, very recently, President Ma in his National Day uh, address, he commented on the uh, democratic uh, constitutional democracy. And that is one of seven no-says or seven no-talks in China. And the Chinese government uh, responded by saying that you should not suosandaozi. And suosandaozi is a very rude way to tell the other side you have to shut up. So it became a situation that we are wondering whether the crossroad relations is still good. So all these kinds of things are leading to a dissatisfaction of the general voters in uh, Taipei City against the KMT. And indirectly, that would, uh, of course, affect Shang Lian's uh, ability to be elected. Uh, I know uh, Joanna seems to be uh, trying very hard to win your hearts and minds uh, towards Shang Lian, but uh, I guess uh, most of them don't have uh, the rights to vote in Taipei, right? <laughs> I thought Joseph's remark is going to be very brief. In fact, he's very lengthy. You know? and, and, and he still talks like a chairman of the foreign affairs from the DPP. And he has a tendency to stray away from the issue that we are facing today, right? So, okay, my, my remark will be very short. And the prediction, of course, is very risky, but it's fun. And for the last several years, I have been doing public prediction no more than no, no less than six times. And every time I'm right and very precise and very close to the target. And if you are not right or if you are, not, if you are afraid of making prediction, no one will invite you to this occasion, right? <laughs> you have to make a prediction and you have to be good. And number two, I guess Mr. Lian will lose the campaign by 60,000 votes at least. 60,000 60, votes at least. And number three, you know, 
Blue camp people now refuse to endorse Mr. Lien. Eventually, you know, like Joanna believe, because it's a fight between blue and green, so eventually on that day, they will go to the voting booth with tears in eye. I tell you, this time, they will have still tears in eye, but stay home. You know, they will refuse to vote because they think that's the only way to have the KMT undergoing the true reform. reform. So it's the heart, it's the love from their heart. That's the reason why they refuse to vote. Number four, finally, Joanna is wrong again. Because you know, this is not the choice between this rotten apple. It's not to choose which one you love. He said it's because you, which one you dislike less, right? Wrong, 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 definitely wrong. The supporters for Dr. Cole, they really like him. And they don't, they're not really like him as a person. And they don't like him as his core value. Not at all, not at all. They just love him as a tool to prove down the KMT establishment. And they really like him because he's such a useful tool. No one else can prove down a KMT candidate in the city of Taipei. So they really truly want him. So no matter what he say, no matter what he do, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. You know, and even after he is elected and the city government will be running into a small chaos, they really don't care. What they care is to see the KMT step down. Well, does anyone have any more questions or we shall move on? Any more questions? I just have one oh. quick comment. Oh. Um, even in the most recent poll, we're still looking at 22% undecided voters. They are not the typical independent voters as you, as you see in the Western poll. A lot of them, if you look at their prior voting behavior, they are decidedly partisan. They are undeclared voters. They haven't declared their support yet. And so there are still a lot of um, different motivations and different predispositions that we can talk about. Thank you. We've been listening to the Special Election Roundtable co-organized by ICRT and the European Chamber of Commerce, Taiwan. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Stay tuned for more expert commentary on the November elections coming up next. Welcome back. With the 9-1 November municipal elections coming up, ICRT is taking a closer look at all the local races. Who's ahead? What could change? And the major issues that are at the center of the election debates. Now let's return to our special election roundtable with DPP lawmaker and TV political commentator Shunfu Xiong, former KMT lawmaker and businesswoman Joanna Lei, and DPP Secretary General Joseph Wu. Here's the moderator, ICRT's Gavin Phipps. Okay, now we're going to move down south to Kaohsiung and Tainan. And of course the KMT is looking to upset the DPP's hopes in those municipalities. So do the three panellists believe that we could see an upset for the DPP? Or do you think the KMT could possibly make its biggest gains in the city council seat elections? This time I fully understand your questions. <laughs> but I don't understand you ask. Because, you know, in the southern part of Taiwan, you know, it's all strongly dominated by the DPP. There's no question about that in Kaohsiung and Tainan, they were winning with a big, big margin. And in an election like this, we used to say the mayor himself is a hang, and the city councilman is a chicks. It's a muji dai xiaoji, you understand? The hang carry the chicks. So if the mayor can win with such a wider margin, 
of course, the chance for them to carry the, uh, the majority in the city council uh, is very much likely. Thank you. Joseph, would you like to go next? Uh, I really have any, you know, have no uh, disagreement with uh, Dr. Sun. Uh, in in uh, Kaohsiung and Tainan, I think the DPP are going to win decidedly. Uh, in the city councils, uh, in those two places, I think we are going to gain more seats uh, than before. And what we are aiming at right now is to have a majority in both uh, places. Joanna? The ship seems to have already sailed. I think there are consensus across the blue and green camp. However, whether the future of those two places can indeed be moving forward will depend, again, on the central policy of DPP. Because we all understand the local mayors, when they look at the local economic situation and job creation, they also wanted to have a more pro uh, cross-strait relations so that they can continue to promote their economic agenda. In political time, they will come back to the ideological agenda, but once they are elected, they actually needed the central party, which is DPP central support for them to move forward. So people will make their decisions on who their leaders are, but they will have to have a responsible, good government to deliver them the future and hopes and dreams of they themselves and their children. So this is a true test of democratic election in Taiwan, in my view. Right. Do we have any questions specifically about Tainan and Kaohsiung or southern Taiwan generally? No? Okay, then we'll pop off to Taichung then. Of course, veteran Mayor Jason Hu is running against former DP, the DPP's Lin Jialong. Now, of course, questions have been raised about both the candidates in Taichung. Of course, Mayor Hu has been in charge of the city for a long time, and some have said too long. And, of course, there's been questions about Lin Jialong's ability to become a city mayor or a leader. So who should we start? Who wants to start? Would you like to start this one? Lin Jialong will win the election. And Jason is for sure he will lose this one. And it's really very sad for a long-term veteran politician and also a well-known diplomat and his political career in such a sad situation. And I think the people are always think about it's the responsibility of President Ma. He should arrange a career path for him to step down. But also you have to realize the KMT never, never really cultivate the next one to step in. And Jason was forced to continue to run for this coming terms. And uh, people are tired of him. Not necessarily that he's bad, but they are tired of him, so he was lost. Joanna. Um, unfortunately, I agree that the decision was made for Jason to run and representing KMT. Probably, I'm one of the few people who've seen how people went to Jason, hugged him. I saw in numerous occasions young people went to him and said, you make me proud. I'm from Taichung. I'm currently working in Taipei, but I'd like to come back to the city. So as a mayor with three terms, he's done a lot of pride in terms of bringing the city, bringing the glory and the future development hopes and dreams to the people of Taichung. But he is a reigning mayor and had served three terms. And that is something that would actually hurt a campaign that focused so much on change. On the other hand, I'm a little bit um, different in the sense that 
I'll first declare that I think Sean still has a very narrow margin, that he could still win Taipei with a very narrow margin. If that were the case, Taichung will be the tipping point of the 2016 presidential election. So Taichung will be severely and heavily contended by two parties, especially by Pan Blue, in terms of giving themselves another hope for the 2016. If you lose Taichung, Typically, people would say if you lose Taipei, you have no hope. But if you lose Taichung, you would be in very serious um, challenge coming into a campaign in 2016. And by the way, I'd like to put one more footnote. I think KMT has made two or three strategic errors in not putting strong candidates in the southern cities, in Tainan, in Kaohsiung, in Pindong. If they put very strong candidates, even if they lose, they will be able to solidify their local support. They will be able to motivate and mobilize their local organization. They will be able to maintain their 55-45 or 50 um, 50 split in those locations. By not choosing very strong candidates, you're telling the local people that we don't really have a confidence that we can come back to the city. You demoralize your local organization, you do not mobilize your local supporters, and therefore the margin became wider and wider in the southern part of China. And that to me is a very big strategic error made by the party central of KMT. Having already done that, if they don't come back to the central Taichung and solidify their support in the central Taichung, surrounded around Taichung City, then they will probably have a very difficult chance in 2016. Once that's lost, it will be a very long time for them to come back. So Taichung will be heavily contended, and I still believe that Shang has a slim margin with the undeclared vote coming back at the last moment. They will say, hmm, I may want to give Ma a lesson. But if I elected Dr. Ko, what will my future be and what will my children's future be? And they will still come back, not because they they don't tear, but they tear for a different reason. They will be more uncomfortable with the other candidate who are showing a lot of loose cannon behaviors at this point. Thank you. Fushong? Joanna take every opportunity to talk about Lian, and she never give up on Lian. But I tell you, people refuse to vote for him to the degree because the mass factor is very small. It's a Lian himself. It's a merchandise himself. It cannot be packaging into a way that people like him. Of course, Ma pulled down, Ma's administration's uh, record pulled down every candidate countrywide. But that not is the case of his Xin Bei Si. It's not the case in Taoyuan Si, right? And only when the candidate is poor, is weak, then Ma's weakness show up. Okay, but I tell you, Joseph is too overcautious about the potential outcome of Taichung City. You guys win. Just take it and be happy. You know? <laughs> and, and don't be so cautious. But I take this opportunity to tell you a small carry home tip how to read the public opinion poll in Taiwan. Every time when they have opinion poll, they go into the small subgroups, right? Male, female, how many age, how old are you? Look into one category. That is the non-party affiliate independent group. And in that particular group, both Mr. Lian's case in Taipei City, as well as uh, adjacent in Taichung City, the non-party affiliate group, 
the breakdown is 45 versus 16. Jason is only 16. Lin Charong is 46. The same thing here in the city of Taipei. Lian is only 16, and, uh, Lin, uh, and uh, Dr. Ko is more than 40%. When the, that particular subgroup is so side one way, then the outcome is already set, no matter how much you, you are wishful thinking. Thank you. Well, let me add a little bit footnote over here as well. Uh, Shang Lian is supposed to be very strong. You know, when he was running for the primary, he was su his support was uh, much higher than uh, Dr. Kerr's. And people's anticipation of him uh, is that he will put out very concrete uh, agenda for his campaign. But up until today, uh, it's still very vague. People still don't know what kind of uh, agenda he's going to have in running the campaign or what kind of uh, city government is go he's going to run. So this is something that uh, a lot of people are talking about uh, these days. And also a uh, small uh, matter regarding Jason. You know, I, I like him personally, but I think you know, he has made too many empty promises. I listen to ICRT all the time, as I told uh, Tim uh, a little bit earlier. And I don't know how many times uh, Jason had went on the ICRT and talked about Guggenheim Museum. You know, I've heard it at least 20 times. But where's the Guggenheim Museum? It's not there. It's, there's not even a sketch of it. Uh, talking about Taichung Tower. Uh, it's supposed, supposed to be a Taichung Tower. It's going to be a landmark in, in Taichung. But there's no more Taichung Tower in his conversation anymore. And he spoke for quite a few years on MRT in Taichung. But he wasn't able to get even one. So he tried to rush through with uh, uh, BRT, uh, a bus lane, pretend to be on MRT. So people's question of his ability to deliver his promises is, is very strong in Taichung City. And that hampered his ability to garner public support. Joanna, would you like to come back against that comment? Um, I have um, recently visited Taichung. Some of the attacks are actually ex uh, magnified in media. And I think I'd like to just use this opportunity to, to make two observations. I've come back to Taiwan since 2000 and have seen a couple of elections. This is the first time you see two distinctively different traits in Taiwan's campaign. One is you have a virtual war, which is very different from the typical campaign. In the virtual world, on the internet, you have a lot of very fierce fistfights, and they are fought on a virtual war level. In that sense, I mean people really hated each other and wanted to destroy the other camp. So this virtual war has gone to the, the extreme by using kusos and other excuses. And once they say, we're just kusoing you, I can blatantly take your intellectual property. I can change your media campaign. I can advocate it through the media and create a completely different phenomena. So in, if you were somewhere far away and you don't know any of the candidates, if you just see it from the internet, you actually will draw very different conclusion from if you have a face-to-face -face or real exposure to the candidates. So when people say this campaign was fought in a really chaotic ways, I think this virtual war will take some of the responsibility of why this campaign seems to take no shape and have no direction. But the second observation is you also have extremely high quote-unquote media politics operating here. 
if you look at the PTT in National Taiwan University, the top three boards has 16,000 users. But every time they put an attack or very strong opinions, in one or two hours, Apple Daily will pick up that report and put it in their online news. And then the newspaper will print it. The television will repeat it. So everything can be impregnated into a public agenda through a very obscure board, which is typically used by students in the past. So you see this media taking very strong position and be a part of the active campaign. And that was unseen and unheard of. So A, the virtual war in the internet world, B, the media politics and media political involvement in this year's local campaigns are new phenomena in Taiwan's policy and politics. When we say we believe in electoral democracy, we believe in people making discerned decisions, making judgments on who they want to support by having real factual information, hearing from the horse's mouth. But now we are hearing a lot of rumors. In this campaign, the noise level is larger than the true score. So if we're coming back to any campaign polling numbers, we always know the poll results have two components, the true score and the noise in this campaign. Also, when you look at the campaign, you have the true campaign where the candidates are trying to wage, but you also have huge noise coming from the internet world as well as the media per se. So I applaud again ICRT's participation and hosting this event to allow us an opportunity to discuss these issues without creating further noise. Hopefully, thank you. Right, I'll ask one more time, any questions? Oh, yes, Peter Sutton. No, the chap next to Peter Sutton. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, I just want to ask questions uh, uh, for, for, uh, for Mr. Sen, Sen Dalao. Uh, a hypothetical question. If it's not uh, Lian Senwen this time, if it's uh, Ding Sozong mm -hmm. as a candidate for KMT, you think the result or the poll will be different? Of course, of course. The difference will be not that big. But I'm not sure Ding Sozong will win either. You know, that would be easier, a better field for him to fight. But as I said earlier, Dr. Ko is invincible this time. Very, very invincible. For a reason that most people don't understand. People just want KMT to be defeated. Dr. Ko, it just happened to be the tour. So things so don't will have a tough time too, but not as bad as Mr. Lin. Joseph, do you want to take that question? Well, I think it's hypothetical, uh, but you know, when coming back to the uh, campaign, when we face uh, the KMT in Taipei City, uh, we do all kinds of analysis in Taipei City, and the reason why uh, Dr. Kerr is able to pull ahead of uh, the uh, the KMT candidate uh, for several reasons. Uh, Dr. Kerr is an independent, and this is a very important factor. Uh, if it's a DPP candidate and uh, then uh, join us, analysis comes back into uh, the picture. Uh, many Pen Blue supporters can support an independent candidate, but they don't want to support a DPP candidate. And therefore, uh, for Dr. Ke to run in the election in Taipei, uh, he has some certain advantage. And, and the reason why the uh, Pen Blue people uh, are willing to support 
that occur in this particular election is because uh, they are really fed up with uh, the KMT uh, or the performance of the KMT uh, in the last few years. They are fed up with uh, President Ma's leadership, and they want to have somebody different uh, from the KMT in uh, Taipei City. So even if it's uh, Dr. Ding that is coming to the election representing the KMT side, it will still be a very tough battle for him to defeat Dr. Ke. And Joanna? Very quickly, Joseph said many pan blue candidates can support an independent, and Dr. Ko is an independent. I'll just rephrase this. Many pan blue candidate can many pan blue voters can support an independent candidate, provided that he is truly independent, and that he is trustworthy and has the capability that people can entrust a future government to his hands. So those two provisos, I think, are still challenges. If at the end of the day people cannot trust him on these two, then those pan blue supporters that you hope will come and support him probably will still not come out and support him. Once again, there are 22% of undecided, and I think they are undeclared voters. Once again, there are still 30, when you have this program inside of 30 days to go, I still think prediction can be very dangerous. Let's wait until the Fed lady sings. Right, there we go. That was a lively debate. Now, I've just been told that we have to get out of here. <laughs> so, can we thank our Shen Fu Shong, Joseph Wu, and Joanna Lei. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to our special election roundtable. Big thanks to the European Chamber of Commerce Taiwan for co-organizing the event. You can get the full recording of the event online at ICRT's blog page. Just Google ICRT blog. That's it for tonight. Keep tuning in to ICRT for more election coverage. And, of course, thanks for listening. <laughs>